1: It's 1730 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with Akosia Otre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes.
2: All individual bondholders who are below the age of 59 years will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of 5 years instead of 15 years and a 10% coupon rate. All retirees, including those retiring in the year 2023, will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of 5 years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate.
1: Government extends for the fourth time its debt exchange program and also makes new proposals and puts them on the table, requesting that individual bondholders subscribe. Would they? There's a question here on Eyewitness News. Also coming up, government launches National Rental Assistance Scheme to deal with issues of rent in the country. But how can you deal with rent when you don't have the houses to rent? We have a conversation here on that subject on Eyewitness News. And later, NDC National Council of Elders meet with parliamentary or NDC members in parliament who petitioned it over the removal of Haruna Idrisu and Co cool, and the replacement with Dr. Atuforsin and co. Stay with 97.3
2: CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... CSOs in the extractive sector demand accountability in the government's good for oil policy and vehicle and asset dealers union of Ghana lament tax waivers for foreign car manufacturers. That's in 50 minutes with Michael Ogbodu of the City Business Desk.
1: Eyewitness News is live across Ghana On a number of affiliate stations, if you go to the western region, we are live on three media houses in Takradi alone, and more actually. We are on Premier FM 100.5, on Beach 105.5, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. They are all in the capital, Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. Ashanti, we are on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi, Eastern, we are on right, 90.1 FM in Sumania. In the Volta region, on Holi, 98.5 FM in Afplau. Northern, on Dasuma, 99.1 FM in Yendi, Upper East, on Word, 88.3 FM in Zwarungu. And Upper West, on Bugli Radio, 88.6 in Uwa. The show is interactive. Join us with your messages on WhatsApp, 0549-986-996. 549 986 Nine nine six. Send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. tweet at Umarusanda and the world to hear what do you think. Let's set over details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with the government debt exchange program. There's a fresh release by the government. Let me read it for you. It's a two page document issued by the Ministry of Finance. And it says that the government of Ghana has made significant progress with all stakeholders, including financial sector, industry associations, and representative groups of individual bondholders with respect to their participation in the domestic debt exchange program. The government hereby announces the following updates, that based on the agreement reached with the Ghana Association of Banks, that's GAB, Ghana Insurance Association, and the Ghana Securities Industry Association, The new terms of the exchange have been accepted. A revised and final exchange memorandum will be released by Thursday, 2nd February 2023. That based on the engagements with the representative groups of individual bondholders, the following has been offered and will form part of the new exchange memorandum. A. An affirmation that all individual bondholders are free not to participate. B. However, upon a successful DDEP, there will be very few of the old bonds in circulation and likely limit its tradability. C. In this regard, the government is pleased to make available the following alternative offer to encourage all individual bondholders to participate in the exchange. I. All individual bondholders who are below the age of 59 years will be offered instruments with a, with a maximum maturity of 5 years instead of 15 years and a 10% coupon rate. I.I. I, all retirees, including those, those retiring in 2023, will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of 5 years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate. 4. Additionally, discussions are being finalized with organized labor and pension fund trustees on a separate arrangement in accordance with the Memorandum of Understanding signed with organized labor on 22nd December 2022, and in line with government's debt management program. Five, with this, government encourages all stakeholders to participate in the DDEP, an essential step towards meeting our debt sustainability targets and restoring macroeconomic stability and economic growth. Six, these developments have necessitated the final extension of the deadline from 31st January 2023 to Tuesday 7th February 2023 and a new settlement date of Tuesday 14th February 2023 that will be confirmed via new exchange memorandum. The government appreciates the cordial engagement with the various stakeholders since the beginning of the DDEP that have made such remarkable progress possible. All bondholders are hereby encouraged to commence all administrative processes towards their participation in the exchange in line with the agreements reached. Signed, Government of Ghana, from the Ministry of Finance. So that is the latest information on the Government's debt exchange program. The key highlights... Is that there's an extension again. This will be the fourth time that the government is extending the deadline for the DDEP. DDEP. What this means is that it has been extended uh, to Thursday, not Thursday, it has actually been extended to 7th February, which is a Tuesday, 2023, next Tuesday. That's when the deadline will be. And it says that it is voluntary, people can choose to participate or not. Let's speak to the Individual Bondholders Forum. Senor Jose has been leading them. Uh, they've been having meetings. In fact, um, they, they, they've been engaging with the Ministry of Finance and other officials of government on the best way out. Senor, you're welcome to IWitness News.
3: Thank you, Maru, and good evening to your listeners.
1: Good evening. I believe that this is the final decision that has been, well, there was a joint statement that was issued with the Association of Bankers. There was another one with the Ghana Securities Industry Association. Now the government, after the meetings with your outfit, has issued this statement and given an update. Now, is this what you bargained for when you went for that meeting? Is this what you put on the table? Because I spoke to um, Martin Pebu yesterday. He gave the impression that, yeah, but the government was going to give the official information. You were part of that meeting. Is this what you went to ask for?
3: Um, well, is not what we asked for or not asked for. What the consensus we reached with government was that government was going to make an offer to individuals. And um, we can make an assessment. The process remains voluntary. So subject to how the offer impacts you and works for you, you may accept it. If you do not accept it, government will still honor its own obligations to you. When you look at the offer as currently put, it's a massive improvement from what was originally on the table. One, at the weighted average cost of funds to government on all the eligible bonds, which government puts at around 20%, if you're running that as a discount factor for the cash flows as posted, uh, proposed today, it means that uh, you may be losing 30%. As against fifty percent um or twenty actually twenty nine point nine one as against fifty percent for the pension fund, you'll just be losing about um, uh, about fifteen percent as against uh, the original one of uh fifty percent so it depends on how it works for you. it may be good. other thing we also could look at is your is your market expectation. You may be looking at a market uh, market outlook where rates will really crash. When that happens, the secondary markets will give you very good yields, and you may be able to exit. But these are decisions everybody is going to have to take. We as a forum will put out all the technical analysis out there and let members make their decision. As confirmed by the minister yesterday, it's a voluntary exercise. You are not going to be punished. There are not going to be any negative violations to your interests. If you actually opt to go, uh, without the, the DDE. So for us, it is not, um, it's not a yes or a no. It is an offer on the table, which we are going to educate our members on. And those who may find it useful would encourage them to take those who not find it useful will ask them to avoid signing up, considering the understanding that they have. We're just going to be educating people to make informed choices.
1: As of now, at the beginning of your campaign, the hashtag that you introduced was say no to D.D.E.P. Now yes. it appears you are not necessarily saying no to D.D.E.P. You are asking people to choose. It has always been voluntary and the government is just reiterating that voluntariness now.
3: exactly the case, um, mm. We, we had commentary from government on different fronts from officials of government, including the deputy ministers of, 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 of finance. And even the finance minister I mean, indirectly insinuates some suggesting that it's voluntary by force. But now we've come to a state where we have all found our smoothness level. We've all understood that it is not a, a compulsory thing. It's voluntary. You consider your economic interest and you actually take a decision. So what we all have to do as a body is to educate people well for them to make informed decisions. You have a technical committee of financial analyst experts, regulated financial advisors who can actually put information well before members to choose. For example, I'll tell you, somebody may have um, um, uh, one of his bonds maturing sometime in November. If you anticipate that rates are going to crash, that 10% may not be, may, will be will not, may, may, may be much better for you. And you rather want to have a longer term paper for a five year paper and take 10% or 50% every year, then maybe this deal is a great deal for you. But if you're somebody who actually has a project that's actually set and you are not looking at rolling over because you want to pay school fees by November, this deal is not good for you. All right? If you're actually looking at your return today at 20%, You know, you do your 20% to now, and you think that you rather take short-term papers or lend to government on the short end. this deal is not good for you. If you're looking at a longer term, and you're looking at a certain kind of discipline which you can't assure with your own flexibility, this deal may be good for you. So we'll put it before everyone. But what everybody needs to understand is that it's voluntary, and you are not under any compulsion to accept it. You are not under any compulsion to reject it. So you have a choice to make. Either choice you make, your interest will be secured, both by the state, both in law, and in fair financial reasons and practice. And that has been affirmed by the finance minister. So <laughs> I think I see this as, a, as an offer that must be extended to everyone. I think that was the concern. So we're expecting this offer yesterday. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. And because we didn't get it, we had to issue a statement based on the understanding that we had. With this, we are likely going to come up with another statement with more technical analysis and guidance for people to make their decisions.
1: But this voluntariness uh, appears to have also come with a subtle threat. If you look at point 3B, the government says upon its successful DDEP, there will be very few of the old bonds in circulation and likely limit its tradability. What does that mean? What?
3: Okay, so the finance ministry holds the opinion that when this exercise is done, the old bonds that are maybe up to 138 billion, um, um, uh, would, would, we wouldn't have all that available. Let's assume individuals don't take it. It means you wouldn't have maybe something around 13 billion of those bonds available. But you have over 100 billion of new bonds there, and they would think that, more, that would be more traded than the other ones. We hold a different technical opinion. One, they are actually enlightening, it's not because it's an instruction, because it's their own estimation. We as IDF, with the other technical expertise we have, do not really believe that. One, all, bo- all, all the bonds are going to be traded. They're going to have two different bonds on the market. And you have two different groups of bonds on the market. Their, their old bonds are varied, different types of bonds. All of them have different characters. We believe that players on the market will be seeking optimal yields. If the optimal yields are going to be achieved on the old bonds, people will go for it. If the old bonds are more short then the people want longer-term bonds, they'll go for the new bonds. So all that will vary. It's just liquidity and the tradability of it I do not think would, 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 would be a uh, matter because you actually have the issuer being one and same and the risk being one and same. So it will be depend on people's investment needs. So we do not share in that opinion that there'll be there'll be restricted liquidity or tradability for the um, for the for the old ones. I think all of them are going to do well on the secondary market. But I must I must commend the finance minister for the progress he has he has he has so far. Consensus on different fronts I mean even for individuals who are going to opt to participate in this, for me more importantly, none of them are going to participate in it out of here. They will do it out of reason. And they will not want to now lose faith in our financial system. Because losing faith is the biggest risk to this entire exercise from an individual and household perspective. Because like I tell you often, the households are the primary source of loanable funds to an economy. Their confidence in the, in, in the financial sector is critical for the sustenance of any economy. If you crush that confidence, you must your economy goodbye. Handling these things the way that the financial sector has been engineered engagement and collaboration and his new statement, I don't think would hurt the confidence of households going forward. So we need to work together as as, as an economy, as active participants in the economy, to sustain that confidence. And I'm really happy the finance minister has shifted his his, his trade and, 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 and that's really welcome.
1: So you do see this DDE being successful, considering that, one, it is going to be voluntary, two, why would I join the new program when there is already an existing program that I'm happy with? Would people really move in to, 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 to accept this proposal from government? Do you see that happening?
3: Um, it depends on which category of people you're looking at. The banks have an incentive to actually participate. The insurance comp- um, grouping also has an incentive to participate. It's the individuals who have no safety net or, or, or incentive to participate. And that's why government has modified their, their proposal much stronger than you find with the other groups. And that is welcome. Will people do it, like I said, it depends on people's outlook, their requirements, and their particular investment needs. If you call me and ask me for a personal advice, I'll ask you exactly what your needs are what your objectives for investing are. And when I juxtapose that with your situation, I may be able to tell you that this may not be the best or this may be the best. If I take a pension, a pensioner and you have invested at an average return of 20%, bear in mind, there are all kinds of conversations going on. And it's, for example, um, a a corporate bond. For a corporate bond like ESLA or DACHE, you are supposed to eventually pay 25% tax on this particular paper. Have you been doing it? For most people, they don't. But we brought it to the attention of government. Those ones, going forward, government must remember to collect it. If you apply 25% tax on your 20% return, you'll be left 15%. So in that instance, as a pensioner, if you have invested in bond or Esla, I'll tell you that if your paper is maybe five years or even had something beyond five years, I'll tell you that this deal is a good deal because it doesn't change your situation. In fact, you may your cash flows even forward. But I can't Say same thing for somebody who may have invested in just a GOG bond, which is not subject to tax unless government changes its mind going to the future. You know, so it varies from individual to individual and your unique, unique circumstance. Over the next period of days while we wait for the deadline, as IBM, we're going to spend quite some resources, organizing webinars and seminars for people to understand and guiding our members to make informed decisions.
1: Very well. We'll leave it here and see what the reaction would be. Thank you so much for speaking to us.
3: Pleasure, mine.
1: That's mine. Senor Jose, he's convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So the latest information is that the government has extended the uh, deadline for the uh, debt exchange program uh, to Tuesday, seventh February 2020. Uh, Three, and uh, this will be the fourth extension. It has made some concessions in the base on demands that have been put forth by uh, members of the Individual Bondholders Forum and the association as well as the stakeholders who have been um, raising issue with the debt exchange program. But we have more reactions to this, don't we, um, Akosia?
4: Yes. The Member of Parliament for Boku Central, Mahama Yariga, has expressed worry over the impact of the domestic debt exchange program on domestic private banks in Ghana. According to him, the program will weaken the growth of these banks... In a letter written to the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, he noted that the banks will face capitalization and also liquidity problems.
1: Indeed, we'll be trying to speak to the Baku Central Member of Parliament shortly to understand in detail what his uh, request to the uh, BOG is. But this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. We'll be back with that and more still.
4: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
5: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
1: You're hey, welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And the big story on Eyewitness News tonight. Government has extended uh, the or well extended the deadline for the domestic debt exchange program to 7th February, that's next week Tuesday, and this is after uh, making um, concessions to some of the demands that were made by individual bondholders and other issues, and so that is one story. We also heard from the Member of Parliament for Boko Central, unfortunately we are not able to speak to him live, but he's written a letter uh, to the Bank of Ghana, the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, and he says that banks will face capitalization and liquidity problems given that they will not receive timely and appropriate coupon payments from their bondholders. That is, the government of Ghana. He was concerned that the government had asked the banks to approach the Ghana Amalgamated Trust PLC for support from the Ghana Financial Stability Fund. And, uh, and that opens the banks up to a takeover by investors in the GAT if the sta- stability fund is not wholly public funded. So, we're hoping to speak to him on that matter. Unfortunately, we do not have it, but he is expressing worry and um, saying that there should be more support to ensure that the banks do not collapse. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTVM. Let me read some of the messages you have been sending through on this subject. Uh, has the government significantly cut its expenditure, for which reason the economy has been completely uh, put in a mess? I think that's one message coming through. Uh, this one from Zelis Dwayne in London says this government is a failure. Uh, that's as uh, simple as she can put it. Um, he's sending a message from um, London. More messages are coming through. Uh, I'll be sharing them with you in the course of the program. This one says, um, "Okay, I'll be bringing you those messages when we come back." Um, Akosia has other stories.
4: Managers of the East Legon branch of Max Matt Shopping Centre, Community 25 branch of Palace Shopping Mall, and Second Cup Coffee Shop at Joulu have been arrested and detained by the Ghana Revenue Authority for non-compliance with tax laws and also bypassing the electronic value-added tax invoicing system. The two expats and a Ghanaian manager from the three companies will be prosecuted, according to Frank Anan, who's the team lead for the task force.
5: When you are looking at a maximum of 1,500 penalty units. That is the maximum you could go. That is if there was no assessment to it. And then we're also looking at an improvement not more than five years or a combination of good. But then if we are able to establish the taxes payable, then the penalty will be three times, you know, assessment. Have you extended any invites to these people stating their offences to them and probably seeking to investigate them and they failed in one way or the other before going with uh, armed men to arrest them in this no, manner?
6: And it started first
5: of October. The do's and don'ts are there. We are not supposed to do this. We are supposed to issue only Commissioner General certified uh, you know, receipts.
4: Frank Annan is a member of the Ghana Revenue Authority Task Force ensuring tax compliance. Away from that, the Ghana Cocoa Board says a recent report by an international media firm, Al Jazeera, is bound to have a dire impact on the cocoa industry. Al Jazeera its report of child labour on cocoa farms has uh, stated that the use of child labor in the western region has, re- has risen in cocoa farms in Ghana during the past decade, despite assurances to curtail the situation. Speaking at the Public Accounts Committee meeting, the CEO of Cocoa Board, Joseph Brian Edu, says the report was stage managed to tarnish the image of the cocoa sector.
7: The traders are not prepared to touch Ghana cocoa, and then it means that then. If the, nobody's buying, the price will have to go down. So it has its own... Uh, apart from the the, the 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 collateral damage that is exacting uh, on the industry, it has wider ramification in terms of price and then what we can give to our farmers and all that. And I want to believe that um, the entire public will take note. Uh, it's not the first time this thing has been reported. Uh, once, I think... Uh, TV3. Joy, 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 you know, TV also uh, reported a similar thing, which also turned out to be state managed.
4: Joseph Boahin Adu is the chief executive officer of the Ghana Cocoa Board, was well, still at the meeting, uh, setting rather, the Cocoa Board as said 24 licensed cocoa buying companies are indebted to the firm to the tune of over 30 million cities. The companies have so far paid 66 million Ghana cities of the 96 million cities' debt uncovered by the Auditor-General in his 2020 report. Appearing before the Public Accounts Committee, the Deputy Chief... Chief Executive Officer of Cocoa Board, Emmanuel Ray Ankwa, says efforts are in place to retrieve the outstanding debt.
7: The amount in question was 96,963.169.47. As of now, we have recovered 66,662,401.47, which constitutes 65.70% of the amount in question. There are ongoing efforts to, and we are not rested, to collect and retrieve the outstanding amounts. Some of them are, yeah, we we are talking to the banks, the companies, and we are even, you know, our legal department is working assiduously to take them to court and to recover. But they they are already in court, and the judicial process is, is playing out now but 65.70 percent amounting to 66 million we've succeeded to collect them and we will collect the balance of 36 uh, percent uh, and, and, and the efforts are on the way
4: Emmanuel ray Ankara is deputy chief executive officer of coco board The Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana, CTAG, has temporarily suspended a strike to resume negotiations with the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission. The association laid down their tools for about two months over their demands for better conditions of service. Students who were reeling under the impact of the action on numerous occasions called on government to intervene, providing an update on the way forward. The national president of CTAG, Prince obinghema said other challenges confronting his, his members would be discussed.
8: What we are going to do now is not only about the conditions of service. You look at the all-year-round teaching, contention, Fair wages have no role to play in this, but because we are taking something from government, they have to, uh, I mean, shepherd it. So they are going to, I mean, uh, make sure that we have the discussion. Prenkoff will be around, Finance Ministry will be around, GTEC will be around, and all of that. So we are hopeful that uh, from this time up to Tuesday, we'll be able to resolve the matter and report favorably to the uh, National Labor Commission. So that's where we are at the moment. And on the basis of that... We couldn't have uh, had this roundtable conversation when we were still on strike. It was a clear violation of the Labor Act. So we were also directed to stay off our action or to call off the action to pay way for the engagement. We went back to council of the association, charged with the responsibility of taking decision on the feet of the strike. And the council, wanting to be law abiding, as we have always been, I mean, ordered, that national leadership takes steps to call off the action, which we have done. We have always been positive, and then uh, what have you? So we want to be positive. We don't want to sound like we are strike happy. We want to have, I mean, confidence in the state institution. We want to have confidence in the, uh, in the National Labor Commission. We want to believe that they are there to serve justice. And if the people do not do the need for, I believe the same way as they give directly to whether we comply. They will do the needful. So we, we are ready to engage. We are ready to, uh, you know,
1: do the
4: needful on our part. Prince Hima is the national president of the Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana. Let's
1: remain with issues having to do with labor. The Kolebu Doctors Association has threatened to withdraw services to outpatient department OPD from Monday due to management failure to meet the agreed deadline on a memorandum of understanding between the Ghana Medical Association and the Ministry of Health regarding payment of guess what? Their thirteenth month salary. Doctor Frank Ususetre is the chairman of the Kolibu Doctors Association. Doc, you're welcome to eyewitness news.
9: Thank you very much, thanks for having me.
1: Explain this thirteenth month salary to us please.
9: Basically, um, as part of the conditions of service of public service, uh, um, the government um, rolled out um, a lot of allowances. And one of them is sort was captured as maybe end of the year um, sort of motivation. And so, um, it was child 13-month salary, which is supposed to be your basic salary, uh, which is supposed to be paid to you at the end of the year. So basically, that is what 13-man salary was. Uh, it so happened that during the negotiations, um, the facilities were tasked to pay this salary or this allowance. It's not supposed to come from Central source. And before that agreement was made, every facility was given the opportunity to look at their books to see based on their strength, when they think they can do that. And based on the consensus or collation, December twenty. 2022, uh, that is uh, December 2022, was used as the last month for the areas of 2020 and 2021 to be paid. That of 2022 will be paid in June 2023, and then by end of December 2023, 2023 one will be paid. Then subsequently become end of year uh, payment. So that is what happened. Uh, it so happened that soon after this, um, because uh, the random of understanding said it, it's supposed to be if by that time you should have paid, it meant that from February, March, when that, the random of understanding came into being, um, Dr. have demanded that you cannot wait till the end of the year to pay people these areas. So start paying, um Confanoche went on strike, I believe you you are aware, and they came out with a payment schedule. Kulibu doctors decided to be, in quotes, reasonable. They wanted to be part of the solution, so we gave management opportunities to come out with ways that they can pay their own deadline. Unfortunately, they have given us two or three deadlines, and in all, uh, they have failed to meet the deadline. So the impression created... Is that they are just playing with us. And as our days go, um, the whole nation has adopted a firefighting approach. So if you don't, uh, if there is no fire, nobody listens to you, which I think is, um um it's a regrettable situation for us to find ourselves in. So that is what informed the conclusion or the communication that you have seen uh, when we had our meeting on the 29th of the um, um, January, um, just last Sunday. And so that roadmap has been gone. And we hope that everybody involved to make sure that that um, deadlines are met will play their part so that they it can unit are feasible. What is intriguing is that nobody is even asking for the amount to be paid. They are asking for a clear timeline. Kulibu has told us how much they can pay. When can they pay there? The rest. It shouldn't be a situation where I, you, owe me, you come and say, "Take this." That is order that I can give. Um, I can't tell you when I'm going to pay you. I don't think that's the best uh, body posture we want to put across. Unfortunately, mm. that seems to be the narrative, and I don't think it is, okay. it is helping. That is what the is currently. So, so let me right. under,
1: let me understand this clearly. The government has paid your salary from January to December 2022. Absolutely, but. You are expecting a one month payment, which is not January to December, but a month that is called the 13th month. Yes. Which is a bonus.
9: Well, you may call that. We see a part of our credit. So, uh, as a, we have market premium, we have fuel, uh, we have time maintenance. They are all part of our codified conditions of service, and you can call it bonus or
1: I mean. allowance. And it is the same amount as you receive as a monthly salary.
9: No, it is not,
1: it's less or half, it, or it half is, of it? It,
9: it's, it's far less. It is just the basic salary. See, the basic salary of a public service uh, doctor, um, or the salary includes what you call the market premium, the basic pay. And then certain other um, um, allowances that have all been um, codified, and that will come to you at the end of the month.
0: So the agreement Once, to pay these things ta- are
9: supposed to pay mm-hmm. is just the basic, which probably will be just about a ten or so of it.
1: Okay, and this was supposed to be paid from 2020, so there are two months arrears, two or two years or two Three months years arre- years. arrears already. Yes. And now you want to know what the status of the 2022 one would be and when it will be paid you.
9: No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that this condition came into be in 2022, in 2020. But it took effect. It was effect from 2020 and 2021. So there's supposed to be two years arrears to be paid by end of December 2022.
1: Okay, two years arrears of two months.
9: Yes, you me call it two months, okay. but it's two years. I, so I get, I, I get
1: it, I it, okay, okay, yes, okay.
9: Yes, you understand.
1: And then the one for 2022 was to be paid June this year?
9: Yes, so but that, you are, we are not even talking about it. The so one we are talking about now.
1: The outstanding one?
9: the outstanding one, yes.
1: Okay, what would you, and this is just for doctors or other people in Kualibu are also entitled to this?
9: There are other doctor, uh, people in Kualibu, uh, but I only speak for the doctor. Okay, I know the health service workers also have their own agreement.
1: So this 13-month thing is generally acceptable in the public sector?
9: Okay. So um, every institution has got its own conditions of service. I know as a to holders they have their own service. Uh, Profters have got their own conditions of service. The Ghana Medical Association have got their own conditions of service. Health service workers, beyond Have also put their own conditions of service. I can only speak to the Ghana
1: Medical Association. Okay, speak to the issue of Ghana Medical Association and explain why, at a time that the government is struggling, we've seen our debt situation, we've seen our struggles with the domestic debt exchange program, and lots of other challenges. Why should the non-payment of an allowance to you warrant a strike action? At the OPD of Ghana's premier hospital.
9: Okay, so, um, rightly put, um, ideally, we should not even be talking about this because it should be basic. Um, I think the whole nation is talking about this, thing, uh, not too long ago, we had the individual bone holders also up in If it is because the data is targeted, then nobody should talk about the fact that individual bondholders are happy uh, are now. The point is that you owe me money. You want, I'm demanding my money. You can pay part. We sit down together and then we come out with plans or roadmap to pay the rest. It shouldn't be adopting that plan like uh, it came to the best thing: take it or leave it. That is a recipe for disaster. And I believe that is what is uh, influencing this. So forget about the fact that the whole nation is struggling. Yes, if the the nation is struggling, certainly the individuals in the nation are also struggling. I'm not very sure if you go to the market, you are very happy probably uh, you'll be able to afford things. I think the struggle that the whole nation is going through has influenced or has trickled down to the individuals. And so everybody is looking at what will come to them or what they must have in order to survive. So let us not bring it down to that level. I think we should stick to the principle. You owe me money. You can pay. You can pay. Let's sit down. Let's come out with a situation or a solution. We need a situation for everybody. It shouldn't be I will pay you this, take it or leave it.
1: Would an invitation to negotiate make you suspend your intended strike from Monday?
9: Actually, if we wanted to be unreasonable in court, we probably would have started the action today. Because, like I said, this situation started somewhere in February. Now you look at the time value of money from February. There's 1,000 cities in February. It's far different from 1,000 cities now. The money has devalued. But we're willing to go along. Nobody's been talking about hey, Let's just look at the time value of it. No. So the decision to give a one-week grace period for the powers that be to come to the table so that we arrive at the amicable situation access to the reasonableness of what Kulibu Doctors Association for, And that is how come we're giving one week. And even after one week, if we don't hear anything, we are not even withdrawing every service. We will just go for the outpatient department and hope that we don't get there. But really, my prayer is that all involved should come to the table, make sure that we do everything possible to stop it from getting to that one week desperation. It is not in anybody's interest to do that. We are all reasonable people or come out the solution, instead of always happening now. If we have been able to wait for a little over 10 months, why do we have to come to this at this stage? But it is because of the pusher, because of this typical livid attitude. That is what has brought us where we are.
1: Thank you, Doc. Thank you for speaking to us. We'll keep an eye on the discussions as they proceed. If you are invited to discuss anything, please share with us so we we'll let our listeners know. My, absolutely. That's Dr. Franco Ususetra, he's chairman of the Kolibu Doctors Association. Let's talk about rent now and the fight you have with your tenant or with your landlord and landlady. Akosia,
4: Government has committed 30 million Ghana cities to start the first phase of the National Rental Assistance Scheme to facilitate accessibility and also affordability of rental housing across the country. The scheme will provide a platform to the public to have their rents pre-financed for them if they have proof of citizenship and also employment. Speaking at an event to launch the scheme, the Minister of Works and Housing, Francis asensu indicated that government will soon roll out the initiative nationwide following a pilot programme in some six regions. The government has therefore made a commitment of 30 million Ghana cities to implement this scheme.
5: And the initial phase will cover the Greater Accra, Ashanti, Northern, Western, Eastern, and Bono East regions. These regions were selected because data from rent control indicates that they have a higher rate of rent advance related issues. The objective of government, however, is to operationalize the scheme throughout the country. Indeed, government recognizes the fact that public programs of this nature may come with its own operational challenges during implementation. I remember during discussion time, implementation issues were raised, and I was quick to point out that as a public policy student in America a couple of decades ago, we are still dealing with issues associated with some of the major federal programs like Medicare and Medicaid. So we do accept that challenges we come. This notwithstanding, these are certain hope that the experiences and lessons learned
4: that will be drawn will help governments make the scheme better across Francis Asenso, Chair, Minister of Works and Housing.
1: So, how is this going to work out? Uh, Randolph Afritz Owari is Director of Communication and Corporate Affairs for the National Tenants Union of Ghana. Randolph, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What do you make of this um, rental scheme by the government?
10: Thank you very much, Omaru. Uh, and I'm very glad and privileged to, I mean, also have you as uh, On air now. Okay, so we, with regards to this uh, initiative or this team, the National Tenants Union of Ghana, as we have always retreated, we see it as a novelty or a program that has come to actually mitigate the challenges we have as a people. And so, you know, renters across the country, we have had challenges or we keep having a lot of challenges because. Many governments have come and gone, and uh, housing hasn't been a priority. Was uh, they feel the the issues relating to housing is a, something very big, and so we, the National Tenants Union of Ghana, government actually we've been doing a lot of advocacy for uh, housing, and then government prompted us. We remember, I remember we had a meeting with the Vice President. They promised us the National Rental Assistance Scheme. We saw it to be something very important and very, very needed for us. So we pushed for it. And luckily for us, we were told uh, it's going to be held or it's going to be, it's going to commence. And so we got involved. And uh, by God's grace, we had a, we had a luncheon today. And we are very privileged to be part of the entire process as a union. And I think uh, uh, we, 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 we actually take this. As a very good initiative that will ha- uh, that will help our population in terms of uh, our citizens and then our members as well.
1: So you accept this and you believe that to be practical as well.
10: Honestly speaking, um, we cannot say uh, everything will be hundred percent. But then we believe this is an initiative that, if if the ministry and the government follow the process that they have actually initiated, and then all the policy procedures that they have initiated, if we we follow up this way and uh, they implement it as we have been told or the papers we have been given, I believe it it will go a long way to support the ordinary Ghanaian. That is, if the process that we have actually commenced goes through the process as. Uh, we expect, I believe, it will, it will, it will mitigate the challenges that uh, the ordinary tenant is going through.
1: Well, this is your union. Um, how many members do you have, union of tenants?
10: Okay, so um, generally, we will say uh, we have over 18 uh, million uh, membership. But then we are still putting together, or we are, we are still working on our data base. And uh, data collection, which we started last year, and we are still doing that. And I believe that um, uh, the larger population have had interest in what we are doing. We've been in this advocacy for the past 12 years, and I believe uh, if you follow us keenly, you realize that we have uh, a mission, and we have something that we believe if the government implements some of the uh, policy to, uh, to uh, pro, uh, pro processes that we, 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 we initiate uh, with the government. I believe uh, we, will have, we will have a solution to most, most of our challenges.
1: What would be the advantage of joining you? Would you help me get a property without going through an agent?
10: Honestly speaking, as part of um, the advocacy, we are an advocacy group and what we do is we educate tenants on their rights and their responsibilities. And so it is our focus to also help the tenant who is probably being harassed, who is being abused, who is actually at a disadvantage, to be able to uh, get some legal remedies and also help solve some of the problems. And we have actually um, we have actually had a lot of issues resolved between we being uh, where we being a mediator between the tenants. Uh, the landlord and sometimes the uh, rent control. And we have had a lot of uh, issues being solved almost every week. Or let me say, every week we have some to where we have to go legal assets we give legal aid and all that. So Tenants Union basically is, uh, we are in to educate and to inform tenants and also, in, uh, and also uh, influence government policy on housing. So that is purely what we do. So every Ghanaian who um, is in this country has the benefit of acquiring us or getting in touch with us whenever there is an issue, whereby I think we have issued a lot of statements against demolitions, against a whole lot of acts that suppresses the, uh, the, the right of the ordinary Ghanaian.
1: Very well. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. That's Rindolf Afrifa Awari. Apologies earlier, I referred to you as Afri is Director of Communications and Corporate Affairs at the National Tenants Union of Ghana. Let me say that on point blank, the Vice President's uh, address would be on, so you get to hear more on what government's plan with this uh, rental scheme is. And then also on face-to-face later on CDTV at 9 p.m., I am uh, engaging the official from the Rent Control Department. They will explain to us in detail how they will, what role they will be playing in this, plus the issues of uh, tenants, landlord, uh, relationships and who um, can do what and when. Please stay with us. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And for now, though, we'll be bringing you the latest in the world of business and then Point Blank comes next. Please stay.
0: Eyewitness News.
4: Be there as it happens.
0: Get the details. Every significant financial transaction. Every market movement. And all the
4: policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be involved.
2: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details now. The alliance of CSOs working on extractives, anti-corruption and good governance are demanding accountability in the government's good for oil policy. According to the group, questions such as what the buyer selection criteria is in respect to the optical of Ghana's gold, what the supplier selection criteria in respect to the supplying of petroleum products is and what the pricing policy for Ghana's gold oil. Ghana's gold have remained unanswered. The gold for oil policy was introduced by the government as an intervention to address the high cost of fuel in the country. By speaking to City Business News during the press conference organized on the matter, member of the alliance, Dr Alex Ampabing, Called for transparency in the policy implementation to ensure the country gets value for money.
11: The assessment overall is that there has not been enough transparency. The policy documentation is very difficult to come by. Assistance, we are not sure. Well, the assessment overall is that there has not been enough transparency. Um, the um, the policy documentation is very difficult to come by. Uh, As a we are not sure uh, who are the buyers of Ghana's gold, uh, how the whole gold for oil is being financed, because this was not budgeted for uh, in the 2023 budget. So it raises the question of how is government actually financing uh, this policy? Also, we recently heard uh, 40,000 tons have been delivered. And now we're also concerned about, one, uh, how much gold was actually exchanged for that 40,000. Uh, which companies supplied us that quantity? Why 40,000? Because uh, the report indicates that Ghana needs 340,000 to 350,000 uh, a month. That was a member of the Alliance of
2: CSOs working on the extractives anti-corruption and good governance, Dr. Alex Ampabing. Now, away from that, the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana, VADAC, is lamenting the tax exemptions offered to automobile companies who assemble their vehicles locally. The Acting Minister of Trade and Industry had yesterday indicated at the unveiling of Suzuki's first locally assembled car in the country that the com- that there is will be zero taxes imposed on locally manufactured vehicles. Reacting to the news, Vadag members insist that government is being unfair by waiving taxes for the foreign corporation while imposing huge taxes on local car dealers. Here's the president of Vadag, Bernard Nkramqua, speaking to City Business News on the matter. Assembly you bring the
12: component here. And then come and assemble, and they don't pay taxes on the vehicles that they bring. Mm. Uh-huh. It's yeah. part of the incentive the government is giving to them to encourage them to do the assembly and then continue to do the uh, the manufacturing. Now they are on the assembly. So, with time, maybe in the next three, four years, they are going to do the the manufacturing. But we've given them so much incentives, we've given them a a site for them to do their plant and all those things for the manufacturing. But we don't have anything at all. Even 55, 30% of Benchmark, you have also taken it away from us, and it's very, 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 very bad. That's why Mr. Sherby is not too happy with the government. and All of us are not happy. It's going to have a respect on our business. Already it has it has even put in so much pressure on us, because considering the duties we are paying now, it's going to have a very bad damage on our business.
2: Bernard Nkrankwa is the president of the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana. Now, away from that, the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana is urging its European counterparts to deepen collaboration among local industries to spare the growth of the agricultural sector. The Chamber maintains that a shared skill in technology will ensure a win-win situation for both Ghana and Europe. Speaking at the launch of the Ghana-EU Agribusiness Platform, the Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber, Anthony Morrison, added that agricultural actors must embrace new technologies to rake in more revenue.
6: The yes. EU-Africa agricultural platform is very important. We need to embrace it because it is a platform that going to the potential of trade, skills transfer, technology, and also investment. And it's something that we reduce the benefit, not only to the Ghanaian agriculture business ecosystem players, but also the European agriculture business players at large. We are currently engaging with the European Union on several uh, areas and also our close relationship with some of the European Union destinations in Ghana, in Ghana to develop more project trade policies that will be to the benefit of a win-win situation for both Ghana and the uh, European Union. I work to speak with the European Union to part-time engage aggressively with Our land, agriculture, and food system on the new trade regulation of the European Union on the foods of African origin, especially foods of forest origin that have been accepted by the European Union Parliament.
2: Anthony Morrison is the Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana. Away from that, the Institute of Customer Service Professionals is urging players within the banking and insurance sectors not to overly rely on digital service delivery in attempts to meet the demands of their customers. The Institute maintains most of the banking players are losing out on effective services due to the digital mechanism brought in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Speaking in the media interaction at the presentation of the 2022 Customer Service index report, the president of the institute, Yvonne McCarthy, urged banks not to be overconfident with their digital apps.
13: During corona, a lot of organizations, especially insurance, banking and insurance, a lot of them just ran into oh, let's just bring something out that would help our customers because of course they couldn't open their branches, they couldn't serve their customers. What they forgot to do was to change after the two years. Customers now, clearly from what we saw, want to go and interface with people they still want that human touch so you cannot go digital without the human touch and that's what most of the banks seem to be doing they still have these apps Ajua, AMA, Ralph, Kofi And these things are just floating. And you realize that you try to interact with these different apps and they regurgitate information to you. So there's no personalization. And that becomes a problem because I would rather you don't have the app, but you have people who can serve customers, than to have the app and still miss out on making your customer happy. In other words, what that means is that the efficiency of the organization that you run would would, would reduce because your app is actually not enhancing the service as you expect it to.
2: That was the president of the Institute of Customer Service Professionals, Yvonne McCarthy. Now, finally, as the government makes efforts to revive the national carrier, CEO of Ethiopian Airlines Group, Mesfin Tassil, has been sharing some pointers he believes will ensure the project succeeds. After Ghana Airways grounded to a halt in 2004, plans have been initiated to resume operations. This report has the rest of the story. Once the beacon of aviation on the continent, Ghana Airways was founded on 4th July 1958 by the government of Ghana with startup capital of 400,000 pounds at its prime, the airline flew major routes and had some of the prime aircraft in its fleet, but things began to turn sour particularly around the year 2000s after surviving major challenges Passengers en route to Baltimore had been left stranded at some point in their transit flight, affecting the once illustrious image of the brand. The national carrier's debt had also reached a concerning level with one of the airline's DC-10s seized at Heathrow Airport in June 2002 after $4 million in unpaid debt by one of its British creditors who got a legal judgment in order to recoup the debt. The creditor only released the aircraft after the airline paid $1 million. After the seizure, it was reported that Ghana Airways was some $160 million in debt and the airline would require a foreign partner if it were to survive. As the debt of the airline could not be resolved, in December 2008, the government released some $2.25 million to the liquidator to pay the final installment in severance claims to ex-employees of Ghana Airways. However, in 2020, the government of Ghana announced an MOU with Egypt Air to restart Ghana Airways. CEO of Ethiopian Airlines Group, Mesfin Tassio, has been speaking on this development. Uh, the airline
14: business is different from other industries like banks or factories. It's a different business and uh, it requires special competencies, a special experience. Uh, particularly in the leadership, to successfully set up an airline
2: and develop it. Mr. Tassu added that to ensure national airlines succeed in the sub-region, they must be allowed to operate as entities without intrusion.
14: They should be left alone without any interference to do the business profitably. This is one. Secondly, the leadership has to have experience in the field and discipline in managing costs costs are elements that kill airlines and any airline
2: that doesn't manage its cost is doomed to failure that was ceo of ethiopian airlines group mesfin tasio ending that report and that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank.
4: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
1: This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And my name is Umaru Sandamadu. I'm going to tell you about... Well, I'm going to let you listen to the Vice President's speech. He spoke during the launch of the National Rental Assistance Scheme by government. But before that, let me just give you an update on the NDC internal issues. A story on citynewsroom.com says, Petitioners of Minority Leadership reshuffle meet, reshuffle meet NDC Council of Elders. The story says... The Council of Elders of the Opposition National Democratic Congress on Tuesday, January 31, 2023, met with some members of Parliament who petitioned the party over the minority leadership reshuffle. The petitioners were represented by Kletus Avoka, MP for Zebila, Dominic Ayine, MP for Bolga East, Mohammed Mutala, MP for Tamale Central, Zaneto Rollins MP for Kolikloti, Alfredo Kovan MP for Ablekuma South, Collins Dauda, MP for Isu South, and Pro-East MP Kwabna Donko. Some members of the Council of Elders who attended Tuesday's meeting, according to the information we picked up, include Chairman al Muhammad Mahama Idrisu, former Speaker of Parliament Edward Dua Jaho, former Chief of Staff Nana Atodazi, former National Security Advisor, Lieutenant-Colonel Larik Bavlulati, and former Information Minister Kofito Tobikwachi. The rest are former local government minister Kwam Nahoi, former education minister Christina Mwakunyama, former general secretary of the NDC Alhaji Hudu Yaya, former trade minister Dan Abudakbi, naval captain retired Bafo Asasijima, and Mrs. Anna Enin, a member of the NDC. The Council of Elders is expected to meet the National Executives Committee of the NDC before the entire minority caucus is met to iron out the differences it will be recalled that following last Tuesday's ch- changes uh, to the leadership of the minority side in Parliament, there have been divergent views on the issue in the media space by different stakeholders of the party, with some opposition MPs signing a petition against the move. Some other opposition MPs have also lauded a move by the party to change the leadership of the minority side in Parliament. Meanwhile, the national chairman of the NDC, Johnson, Asir Ketia Says the party is not fragmented despite the uproar that greeted changes they made to their leadership in parliament. According to him, the NDC is still united, adding that the changes have been welcomed by the majority of NDC members. <laughs> So that's on the NDC side of things. Let's hear now from Dr. Mamudu Baomia, the Vice President of the land. He was speaking during the launch of the national rental scheme, rental assistance scheme by government.
15: You may well be aware that successive governments have instituted several housing policies geared towards increasing access to various housing options across the country. However, these efforts are mainly concentrated on home ownership services and have not achieved the desired impact in addressing the market imbalances of the rental housing market. Globally, rental housing forms an integral part of a well-functioning housing market and plays a critical role in increasing access to affordable housing options, particularly for the youth and low-income groups. As a people-focused government, providing meaningful shelter for our citizens has formed a significant part of this government's development agenda and measures taken to address problems associated with the housing sector especially the rental housing sector have remained vital to our development agenda When I visited the Rent Control Department in July 2020 I noted the overall importance of the rental housing market in our quest to increase access to housing options. At that time, I reiterated plans of government to make it more effective and efficient while also reviewing the law governing rent management in the country to make it more relevant to evolving trends. There's generally a problem which we all acknowledge of landlords demanding two years or more at rent advance, which deprives many people, especially the youth and low-income people, it deprives them access to rental housing. And this is very symptomatic of a market failure. Landlords will tell you they have difficulty verifying identity of tenants, there's a lack of trust by landlords in a the undertaking by tenants to make rent payments on time, so they want it upfront. The potential credit providers also, in many places, do not do not have addresses. If you're going to rent a room in Agbobloshi, um, where is the address? Uh, rent a room in Nima or Choko. Um, finding the property for a potential lender is very very difficult. Uh, And if they cannot find you and you default, uh, that means um, they've they've really incurred a, a bad loan. To address this problem, I mentioned in 2020 that government was putting in place plans to introduce a new program to bridge the information and financial gap between tenants and landlords. These measures would enhance creditworthiness and reduce the need for large rent advance requests by landlords. I remember as we were putting together the 2020 Manifesto of the New Patriotic Party, one of the charges of the President, His Excellency Dankwa Akufuatu, was that find a solution to this problem of rent advance uh, facing the young and low-income. He charged us to address this issue in the manifesto. Thankfully, we came out with this idea of the National Rent Assistance Scheme, and that found expression in our 2020 manifesto, and subsequently the national budget uh, and We therefore are here today uh, for a rolling out of this National Rent Assistance Scheme. The scheme's implementation will initially, initially commence in five regions, Greater Accra, Ashanti, Western, Eastern, and Bono East regions. As the Minister for Works and Housing, on the basis of where the most pressure on rent advance is. But the scheme will be rolled out to all 16 regions of Ghana in due course. In partnership with the private sector, and this is one of the novelties of the scheme, because government is working in partnership with the private sector. Uh, The scheme will provide low-interest loans to eligible Ghanaians to enable them to pay rent in advance. These loans will be repaid monthly to match the tenor of the rent and will be supported by um, a bank guarantee in this case to ensure sustainability. And that is how it has been done. And because the management of the scheme is being outsourced to the private sector, you are inevitably going to have no political interference, because if they give a loan to somebody who is not eligible, they will lose money. And so if somebody comes to tell you that I am this party or that party, so give me my, a, a loan when I don't qualify, uh, they will be <laughs> uh, essentially hurting themselves if they provide that loan to somebody who cannot Repay the loan. So I think there's an inbuilt uh, mechanism to, to stop um, political interference in the operationalization of this scheme so that it is available for all eligible Ghanaians. And what is interesting about this scheme is that when you invest money into the scheme for lending, the repayment that come in monthly, that the monthly rent payments, go back into the pool, which is then lent again to a new set of renters. Who, so the scheme essentially is one of pool revolving funds. Uh, so you, you will see it expanding over time. One group of renters, as they pay monthly, another group is demanding and then we will lend to them, and then they start paying, and then the whole system revolves, and we keep expanding and expanding to meet the needs of our public uh, in terms of demand. So that is one of the innovative aspects of the scheme. And it will target individuals in the formal and informal sectors with identifiable regular income. And rate advance laws will be paid directly into the landlord's bank accounts, who would also have to register with the scheme. I'm aware of a series of engagements that have gone on between key stakeholders on the operationalization of the scheme, and I look forward to to the enormous relief that the scheme will bring to its beneficiaries and the good people of Ghana. Let me take this opportunity at this juncture to thank the man who has made this happen. And that is the Minister for Works and Housing and MP for Bantama, Francis Asensu Boachi. As we call him, Bantama Asensu. <laughs> he has been dogged in his dissemination to make this happen. And has worked tirelessly to put the framework together, him and his staff. We owe him a debt of gratitude. Honourable Sensu Bwachi Aiko Monijoma, to you and your team. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to inform you that government has made significant strides as far as the housing sector and rent management of the country is concerned. Government, acting through the Ministry of Works and Housing, has submitted to Parliament for consideration and passage a rent bill to replace the existing Rent Act of 1963, Act 220. The current act was passed by Parliament 59 years ago, and therefore its relevance has been outlived by the current population growth, urbanization, housing availability, and general trends. And this is why um, the Secretary General for the uh, Tenants Union was very happy to note the passage of this. um, That this passage of this act will really uh, enhance the rental market in Ghana, and we have the bill in Parliament now. Additionally, to enhance the service delivery standards of the Rent Control Department, processes have begun in earnest, and a service provider has been engaged to digitalize the work of the rent control department across the country. Digitalization will provide a consolidated platform for the operations of the rent control department, while at the same time improving revenue generation and collection for the country. Again, I commend the Minister for Works and Housing for his leadership on these important initiatives in the housing space. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the implementation of the National Rental Assistance Scheme will, among other things, provide a new pathway for government to leverage its policy functions to streamline the rental subsector in respect of the quantity and quality of rental housing. I am particularly excited to learn of the eligibility criteria that have been adopted in the selection of beneficiaries of the scheme. It does not only support the call to synchronize all platforms with the national identification system, but also that the data produced from the implementation of the scheme will facilitate government efforts at expanding the revenue stream through improved collection of rent tax. We have been able to introduce this, ladies and gentlemen, because of the availability of a national identification system, because of the availability of a digital address system, and because of the availability of mobile money interoperability that essentially provides practically all eligible Ghanaians with a bank account. And so these are very key elements in the architecture uh, for the delivery of the National uh, Rent Assistance Scheme. Without the digital address, we would not even be able to proceed in any meaningful way on this project and so uh, you needed to identify people, have a digital address, and when they pay rent, you should be able to pay by Momo, you should be able to receive uh, from a bank account into your Momo account, and vice versa. So financial inclusion has been very, very critical in putting, so the, the pillars that we have already put in place in our first term of office are now proving very useful, and this is the vision that Nana Kofuadu has for Ghana. I wish to take this opportunity to charge the Ministry of Works and Housing not to renege on its oversight and supervisory responsibilities for the successful implementation of the scheme. While doing this, the same, I wish to call on all well-meaning Ghanaians to support this initiative As a government, we remain committed to the successful implementation of the scheme for the benefit of Ghanaians. Do not hesitate, ladies and gentlemen, to go online to apply for the scheme for support. To conclude, it is evident that statutes play a key role in establishing the platform for good practices, therefore in order to strengthen the regulatory regime within the building construction industry, I had the privilege to launch the Ghana Building Code in 2018. The code covers all essential areas necessary for the smooth and safe operation of the building and construction industry. And In a bid to efficiently operationalize the building code, it became necessary to review the current building regulations, LI 1630, to reflect all aspects of the building code. Thankfully, Parliament has considered and approved the building regulations, which came into force on Tuesday, 29th November 2022. The new building regulations will help streamline activities within the building and construction industry, as well as effectively enforce any current law for the building and construction industry. Ladies and gentlemen, on this note, I hereby declare the National Rental Assistance Scheme duly launched.
1: Listening there to the Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Aboumira, speaking on the National Rental Assistance Scheme by government. Take advantage of it, support us, look for it, and um, test it, and let us know how it goes for you. Thank you for listening to Eyewitness News. And I was saying that if you want to have or uh, hear more on the conversation on rent in the country. Generally, relationship between landlords and landladies and their uh, tenants. And also this rental scheme by government. If you watch CCTV at 9pm tonight. I have uh, an interview with the, an official from the rent control department. We'll talk more on this issue and others. Thank you for listening to Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda. i a production by Beverly London and Sami a Technical support from Daniel Squashy. we return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you. I leave you now in the hands of Philip Kofiashon with City Trends.
5: City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302 224959 and get
0: interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City973.